Okay, here we go. The New and Better Podcast, Episode 9. Here's the tease. Hearing requires listening. Mm -hmm. And often, we're just not listening. We're walking, we walk into rooms full of people without ever just bending our ear to the voice of the Spirit saying, what do you want to do here? Congratulations. Through the powerful providence of a benevolent benefactor, you've stumbled onto this delicious digital bouillabaisse. Hosted by yours truly, hipster grandfather, David A. Holland. Here, we explore the too-good-to-be-true, poorly understood, badly neglected realities of what Jesus actually launched 2,000 years ago. A new covenant. A better covenant based on better promises. So... Check your religion at the door, grab a beverage, grab a Bible, strap in, gird your loins. This is the New and Better Podcast. What I feel like the Lord has been leading us into just prior to the end of the year and as we came into the new year is about seeing and decreeing and hearing and declaring. Um... Hearing and declare, hearing and declaring, um, because and that's that's why, I, and we're going to continue in this tonight. We're focusing on just be learning to hear the voice of the Spirit, learning to hear the voice of God, learning to see what He's up to, see what He wants to do, and then partnering with Him by giving voice to what He wants voice given to. Um, in in our circumstances, in the circumstances of the people around us, uh, to to basically say what he once said, because there's and having the understanding, the knowing that what we say moves things, creates things, changes things. Tracy's just started the back with through through her through the Bible in a year and just got through reading the story of Jacob and, and Esau and how Jacob defrauded Esau of, of his birthright, of his blessing from his father. But the, the, the astonishing thing about that story is the fact that once J Jacob knew and Esau knew and uh, uh, Isaac knew, they all knew that the moment Isaac pronounced that blessing, once he, once he spoke that birthright blessing, it was done. There was like no takebacks, no do-overs. There, there was an understanding that he carried that, there, that that spoken thing was a decree that was an irrevocable, irreversible, uh, un underminable thing. And, and when, we know, when we know in our inner knower what God wants to do, what He wants us to say, what He wants us to declare, there's just really, really something extraordinarily powerful uh, about that. And so what we're focusing on is essentially tuning and attuning our hearts to better hear what the Spirit is saying uh, <clears throat> and seeing. I'm, I'm <clears throat> seeking light. I'm seeking light and illumination on if seeing and hearing 
is really just the same thing, but for for different individuals. If some people are just more likely to see than hear, and some people are more likely to hear than see, based on our brain wiring or our learning styles. You know, some people are visual people, um, and um, and some people you know really have a hard time processing audible information. You know, we're, we're wired that way. They're much, it's much easier to process visual information than audible information. I don't know if that's, uh, I'd love for us to maybe dis- discuss that uh, in a little bit if, if somebody has some, some thoughts or insight about that. But we're going to just, there's this five-minute teaching from Sean Boltz uh, I want us to absorb. Uh, he's going to cite 1 Kings chapter 3. And then I want us to talk about First Kings chapter three a little bit after we've heard from him. But before we do, uh, does anybody want to piggyback on anything I just said? Yeah. So Sean's talking about intimacy with God as the rooted rooted into the way we hear and how we hear, and that's absolutely that's absolutely the case and. And the thing we've been focusing on is, and talking about is being outward focused in our, in our hearing, in the focus of our hearing and being outward, others oriented and other, <coughs> others focused in order to find and, and take opportunities to express Jesus, his awesomeness to people and uh, express the compassion of God. To people, everywhere we go, we encounter people who desperately need and can be transformed by God. Can intervene in their situation if we will give an expression of the reality of who Jesus is and how compassionate uh, and how good and compassionate God is. Uh, the problem is we just we tend to walk through our days with just these blinders on and and the lenses on of okay of the things we've got to accomplish the things that concern us um, and we walk by opportunity after opportunity to basically be an expression of of, of Jesus in the world to people and there's something about being that outwardly focused and others oriented that then establishes a flow in our lives you know that's basically uh, nature abhors a vacuum and you know just being outwardly focused just kind of just creates this supernatural flow of living water uh, through us as we begin to become uh, others oriented so we're working on okay how, how can we better hear God and I'm always wanting to know in practical terms you know it's 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 great to have the kind of just the in theory, yes, it's true. We can hear God's voice. God's voice is available to us. But in practical terms, how do we get better at that? What does that look like? I had lunch uh, this week with a friend uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and, uh, with a friend, and we ate at this restaurant in South Lake, and it was busy. It was right at the noon hour. It was really busy. And there was a, a, a table of five people to our immediate left. I could have actually just probably leaned over and, you know, touched them over there. And another table of, of three people to our, uh, on the other side being very loud. I mean, it was a loud restaurant. 
And, uh, and these particular groups were all very excited to be talking to one another and had lots to say and were having to say it very, very loud because of the general noise level in the audience. So uh, I'm, I'm across from somebody having lunch with them and I'm finding myself basically straining my voice, having to almost blow my voice out just to be able to be heard so that... Um, you know, we could converse. And the same thing for my friend that I was having lunch with. Uh, he was having to talk super loud just so I could hear him. And there was still, he's a little hard of hearing. Uh, and so he, I, I was really, it was just really, really a challenge to carry on a conversation because just of the general noise level in that environment. There's something very similar to that. There's this corollary that goes on in our souls that we have, you know, we can walk around with a very, very high noise level going on in our, in our souls as we go through the day, which is not super conducive to hearing the voice of God. Quiet of stillness of soul is, I think, a key component that we're often missing when we say, well, I just, I don't hear the voice of God like so-and-so. Uh, hears it and you know watching the way certain people who are really prophetically gifted and and have developed themselves in that in that area uh, just it's almost just seems unattainable but, but what what they've done is learned to quiet their soul and then the other thing they've done is they've trained themselves they've trained themselves that when when they feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit when they when when they feel that that gentle, quiet nudge, they obey it. They respond to it, and the the re- responding to those nudges in the little quiet things that aren't giant things are what has trained them to be able to respond to bigger nudges and hear more hear bigger, more complex, more detailed messages. It is it is a, simply a, a training of one's own heart. Uh, really, I think a lot of us think, well, you know, if God would just give me this spectacular, detailed word of knowledge for somebody that would just rock their world and change their life, change the whole trajectory of their life, I would, I would hear it and I would do it. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that you, you get to those things by responding to the little things, the little nudge that just says, go over to that person, tell them God sees you and here's some money. Uh, or, you know, d- delivering a message that makes no sense. You know, I told you the Headless Horseman story of Tracy's uncle, uh, who, you know, basically said the words Headless Horseman because the Holy Spirit told him to. Uh, and some, God did an amazing thing in someone's life and set them free. But there's this, I think there's this thing that we think that we're going to get the big, detailed, spectacular thing in some sort of leap without living a lifestyle of just being willing to just do the tiniest, smallest things and say the smallest little words as we're prompted by the Holy Spirit uh, to do so. Any thoughts about that? Oftentimes the Holy Spirit requires that first initial step, part of how He flows, is it is that step that unlocks your heart to right. hear the rest of what he has to say. Primes the palm. And so sometimes you'll be prompted to step out and speak to someone not having any idea what you're going to say, but as you obey that prompting, that movement of the Holy Spirit unlocks the flow 
that's coming forward for what and in corporate setting like what Tracy shared with you mm -hmm. unlocked what was in my heart to give had she not given her supply mm -hmm. this supply would not have flowed but because her supply flowed it unlocked what would, it tapped God in me <clears throat> a yeah. lot of times it's mm -hmm. that obedience simple childlike mm -hmm. obedience factor that puts you in that ahead more warm golden nuggets of insight about having a hearing heart but first page two hey just a quick reminder here about a couple of places online where you'll find more resources from yours truly david a holland when you can you're going to want to point your browser over to davidaholland.com and there you'll find links to my latest and best resources created to help you Live the sweet life. That's a life of rest and peace and supernatural impact. You'll also find a place to drop me your email address to get alerts about special events, free resources, and occasionally more of the same encouragement and help you get on this podcast. Again, that's davidaholland.com. Got to get that A in there. And now, back to the topic under review here. Mark, I know you you live this out and attempt to live it out. What, how does it work for you? You know, after Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit in Mark chapter one, um, he goes into Capernaum, ministers in the synagogue, ministers that night in Peter's house, and then Mark one thirty five has always really hit me. It says early in the morning he went out to a desert place to there are three times in the Old Testament where it says of somebody when the Lord put something on their heart they got up early in the morning and did it it says that of Abraham when the Lord says go offer up Isaac <coughs> it says early the next morning he goes it says that of Joshua the, the spies come back across the Jordan Early the next morning, Joshua gets up and just heads out. And there's, when I saw this with Jesus in, in Luke 5, 16 or 17, it says Jesus would often go out into the wilderness and pray. And there, there's just something to be said. David says in one of the Psalms, earnestly will I seek you, but the word earnestly also means early. And I know that we're all wired differently, time-wise. To me, I think the hardest thing to do is to wake up to the noise of this world, and I mean the news, and try to hear God through the day and then go spend time with Him afterwards. Because now you're bringing a tray full of all the world's stuff that has just loaded you up. Whereas Jesus is going out to seek His Father, when by the time everybody finds Him, they go, come on back. He goes, no, i got other places to go, but... Jesus said, I always do the things that I see the Father doing. I always say the things that I hear the Father saying. And I honestly believe this is Father's heart for us because we're Jesus' body on earth. Is that? And some people are afraid of that. They're going, well, you're going to be so heavenly minded, you have no earthly good. And I think the, that's impossible. I think the opposite is actually true too much that we're so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good on earth. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's the, I've shared this before, but in Ephesians 4.31, I think it is, Paul writes, put away from you anger, wrath, man, anger, wrath, malice, clamor. And the first time I saw the word clamor, it was literally like being hit on the side of the face. Like, this doesn't make sense. I understand anger, wrath, malice. And I see the word clamor. And I, I literally saw it and I said, God, the word clamor means noise. And he said, that's right. And I didn't, it literally took me like years to realize this. I thought Paul said, don't let it in. But he was saying, don't let it out. And then I remember the old computer saying, garbage in, garbage out. And when we let noise in, that's what's going to come out of us. And to me, when we have the intimacy quiet time with the Lord, even if we don't have time for the rest of the day, the fact that we gave, I know this is kind of, seems like I'm going in a wrong direction. In Proverbs, it says, honor the Lord from the first of your wealth. Sometimes the first of our wealth is the first of our day. Mm -hmm. And the word honor literally means give weightiness to. And when you give weightiness to the Father, to me, you give an avenue of Holy Spirit to bring the weightiness of what you gave Him out in you the rest of the day. That's good. It's great. No, it's a good word. And there is just something about that stillness and quietness, you know, I mean, you... That, that you can then, you can then, if you defend it, you can carry it through the day. You can be in the midst of some really crazy stuff going on in your day, but if you've established the quiet soul, the calm waters of the soul, you've heard me repeat this scripture a thousand times. Surely, David said, I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child upon his mother's chest. There's just something about that that composing and quieting of the soul that's conducive to hearing. But then again, it's also, hearing requires listening. Mm -hmm. And often, we're just not listening. We're walking, we walk into rooms full of people without ever just bending our ear to the voice of the Spirit saying, what do you want to do here? Is, the, is there anything you want to do here? Is there somebody you want to manifest compassion, encouragement, uh, you know, uh, instruction, uh, hope to uh, in this room? I'm here. Am I send me? Yeah. Um, and it it also requires. And at some point this year, I'm going to reteach and expand upon the uh, honeycomb lying on the ground teaching that I did because it is about spiritual security mm-hmm. and spiritual security is basically having your identity so deeply rooted into your sonship or daughtership with God that you know that you know it's it's your your behavior is not altering it what people think about you isn't altering it you, and your identity is so deeply rooted in your connection with God through Christ that you get secure and then when you're, you're secure, you're not walking into a room thinking, what do these people think about me? Are they going to think I'm okay? Am I, are they gonna th-? Those kind of thoughts aren't part of the equation. The, the thoughts that you walk in with is going, you know, here I am, a son or, or daughter of God, uh, irre- irrevocably, unchangeably, 
And that, that understanding is so soaked down into me, down into my, the very bone marrow level of who I am, it liberates you to just basically say, I'm, you know, what you think about me isn't really part of my mental equation. You know, what God thinks about you and what God wants for you is the, is the equation. And I'm here a walking, talking, living, breathing representative of image bearer of him in this room. Uh, and that's not a prideful thing. That's just a, that's a humble, grateful, secure thing. So I just want to just elaborate just a little bit because I, uh, I watched the Sean thing that we just watched you know, earlier and just had, had some thoughts about it because I've taught on 1 Kings 3.9 many times. I remember go, us going all the way back to when we were with the prickets we were up in. Living Word in Minneapolis, and we were on staff up there, and I remember teaching there on more than one occasion about this scripture, about uh, having a hearing heart. Uh, you know the context here is that, you know, after God Solomon has now been made king. Uh, he makes a big sacrifice to the Lord, and then the Lord comes to him in his, in his dream that night and says, what, what do you want? Ask me anything. It was almost like, you know, whatever you ask for me, I'll give you. And in the dream, what Solomon asks for is a, in the Hebrew, a leb shama. Leb shama, leb is heart, the Hebrew word for heart. And shama, as Sean mentioned, means either hearing or understanding. So what Solomon asked for, and by asking for a leb shama, is a heart that hears or a heart that understands, an understanding heart. But... There is something significantly different, uh, different, and and Sean doesn't point this out, and he doesn't need to because the, his point was talking about basically what God wants for us is God wants us to understand His heart. God wants us to understand what what He's saying and what He's doing. Uh, but there is a significant difference between what Solomon asked for under the old covenant. He asked for the right thing under the old covenant. And what we have received under the new covenant. And I don't know that I ever really saw it until I was looking at it uh, today. But if you'll look at this, look at the scripture. This is Solomon's request. So give your servant an understanding heart, Aleb Shomea, to judge your people to discern between good and evil. What he's asking for is accurate knowledge of good and evil. Now, where in the Bible, in the Old Testament, do we find knowledge of good and evil? In the, in the garden. Well, the, the result of the fall was essentially the, the opening of the knowledge of, of good and evil. That was the thing that God didn't want them to have. It was the thing he was, it's the thing he had prohibited from them. And they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But that's because it's absolutely appropriate for Solomon to ask of this here because the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, was not designed to reverse the curse. Right. The, 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 the purpose of the old covenant was never the rollback or reversal of the curse. The only thing that could reverse the curse is the bringing Messiah into the earth. And the purpose of the old covenant and the Mosaic covenant was to create a people that could stay cohesive and, and, and uh, untainted uh, by the corruption loosed in the world long enough to get the Messiah into the world. Then when Messiah comes in the world, 
then the curse can, can be reversed. So what, what Solomon is asking for here is essentially part of what the Old Covenant was all about. The Old Covenant was all about the knowledge of good and evil. The law is about the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, but that, because that, we de- our race, our, our humanity had already eaten of that tree. That, that horse was out of the barn. But now, to flip over in your Bibles, and I want to just see what Jesus did. Look in uh, Revelation. I think it's chapter 2. It's one of the messages to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. This is Jesus talking to the church. Um, Yeah. Um, Look at Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear to hear... Okay, sound familiar? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat. What? (laughs) Of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. That is the end of the objective of new covenant hearing. This is the objective of having a new covenant lab shomea, a heart that hears. It is not to be a discerner of good and evil. It is to be a partaker and a dispenser of life, of the life uh, uh, of God. That's the kind of hearing we do. And, as a matter of fact, this is precisely... What Paul is saying, if you just flip over to Ephesians, chapter 1. Yeah, you know exactly where I'm going. Um, Let me zoom that up just a little bit. Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, your ability to see and understand, at a heart level would be um, enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And then he just lists a whole lot of things that having your eyes enlightened, your inner, your inner seeing would happen. But then he begins to talk about death and life. Uh, if you just flip over, uh, well, as a matter of fact, look at 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. In other words, life, the, emer- the defeat of death and the reemergence of life and the ability to be re- reconnected to the tree of life. And then if you look, there's no chapter division here in this, in Paul's letter. Uh, And then he goes on and says, because of all that, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, blah, blah, blah. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins and transgressions made us alive together with Christ. It's the tree of life. So, um, really, being dispensers of life. I, I saw something that uh, you know, Bob Hamp was talking on Twitter today. He had posted some things about um, 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and, and the tree of life. And I slipped a comment in there uh, to one of the things he'd written saying, anytime somebody starts, comes at you with the question, is it okay for a Christian to X, Y, Z? Whatever, whatever the thing is, is, is it okay for a Christian to, that, that person who's asking that question is literally barking up the wrong tree. Because that question is a question about discerning good and evil. The, o- the only question is, is this, is this emanating from my connection to the tree of life? And is it flowing out from my connection to the tree, tree of life as a believer? And for you as a believer, is it, is it consistent with your connection with the tree of life? And does it flow out of your connection with the tree of life? But that is what, that is what our hearing and the eyes of our understanding are designed to do in the new covenant. Uh, and that excites me. Yeah. Thoughts, questions about that? Observations? It's interesting in verse 17 before 18, when he's praying, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in his detailed knowledge. Yeah. In order that the eyes of your heart, that, that's... He's asking us for us literally the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's both hearing and seeing. Exactly. It's exactly. Understanding. And, and what did you quote Jesus as saying a moment ago? I only do the things I see the Father doing and say the things I hear the Father saying. Seeing and hearing. So when they ask a question, is, is it okay to do this? Mm-hmm. If you're not doing it in faith, it's sin. Yeah. Even if it's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's even if it's even if it's allowed, I should say. Right. right. Even if it's allowed. Right. You know, it's it's it is good to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. But if you're not playing the guitar when it's right to play the guitar, that's wrong. Yeah. If you've been wrong when you were reading for Cole to pick up the guitar and start playing mm-hmm. yeah. loudly. Unless the Holy Spirit said, "Hey, I need you to play here." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is it okay for a Christian to have a Rolex? Is it okay for a Christian to have a ten thousand dollar watch? Well, it's okay for some, and it's not okay for others. Yes. It's absolutely has, has everything to do with their call and their heart and where they are. Yes. And it's it's in the people they're called to. In the people they're called to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is a little bit of half-baked bread, um, but it's something that I, like the Holy Spirit, in the mornings when I walk the dog, I pray in tongues most of the time, and God's really been talking to me about the difference between living to Jesus and living from Jesus, and that there are dwelling places in Him that we're called to live from, and He's really been like... Joshua confirms super expanding my comprehension of what is available in him mm-hmm. um, that we just never even think of or tap into. But there's this one thing that as you've been talking tonight just keeps, and like I said, it's, it's half-baked bread, so don't pounce on me. Mm-hmm. But, um, so in the beginning, the Bible tells us in Genesis, in the beginning... Um, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth became without form and void. Darkness fell on the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit began to hover and brood over the face of the waters. 
Then God said, let there be light. And in John, it tells us that light that he said, let there be light, was Jesus. Because um, in John, it says that the word became flesh, that that light became the light of men, and the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't come from But everything that God created came out of that light. And so with that, the Lord's been talking to me about how you appropriate the difference between living to God and from, I mean, to Jesus or from Jesus. The Word is like a lamp. And when the Word of God illuminates a path before you, it's a lamp. But it becomes light when I take the illumination and step it. And that is the difference between living to and living from. Because when I step in that, or when I walk in that light that I've been given, it changes from, it's from knowing Him. Then the next time I walk in that same light, I'm not walking by faith, hoping, but now I'm walking from confidence, knowing, and it's the difference between living to Him and living from Him. That's good. And the more light, like that light part has just been exploding on the inside of me because everything necessary to create everything, any of us, will ever want or need, God declared when He said, like be and release the Spirit of Christ in the earth. And then showed us how Christ's creative power is used mm -hmm. for everything. And that it's there's just a huge revelation from walking in the revelation that you have puts you over to living from in Him, where it's not a thought process anymore. It's a heart response. That's good. Really good. Well, we're going to keep pressing in on this. Uh, I think maybe we mentioned last week, whenever we were in Israel, it seemed like everyone we heard opening their mouth, the gist of what they were saying was seeing and decreeing, hearing and declaring. When we heard Sean Bowles uh, being interviewed that night, that was the gist of what he was saying. And then the next night when we heard Rabbi Jason Sobel, it was very much about seeing and decreeing, hearing and declaring, partnering with God. We just kept looking at each other like, wow. Uh, and, uh, Pastor D. Robinson, who did some of the speaking, he was saying the same thing. It's like every person had this message in their mouths. So we're just going to keep on pressing in. Okay, we're rounding third here, headed for home, but we're not quite there yet. First, page three. Now, if you watch the TBN network, you may have seen me and Matt Crouch talking about my devotional, Praying Grace. By the way, there are about 200,000 copies of that devotional in print today find that hard to believe myself. But it's true. Uh, but my two most recent devotionals, I specially crafted for men and women, respectively. So why not jump online right now to wherever you buy books and grab a copy of Praying Grace for Women or Praying Grace for Men, or well, how about one of each? 
Now, I've got a lot more to share about this business of having a hearing heart, a heart that hears the voice of God, and how it's the key to praying with more power and praying with better results than, well, than you've ever dreamed possible. So that and more will be coming up on the next episode of the New and Better Podcast. I'll see you then.